Hello and welcome to Yerushalmi Peah, Daf Tezayin. It's exciting. We are finishing the first parak and going to the second parak, which talks about the things that interrupt between one field to another, which we'll talk about today. Bezer Hashem, the source for that. So I wanted to start off with one thing from the first parak, and that is the following. Um, there's Machlokas between Rabbi Huda Hanasi and Rebbe. Rabbi Huda Hanasi says that it's common for poor people to be able to borrow money, and so therefore um, he doesn't. Um, therefore he puts a knas on them. Ayin Shem the Gemara. And Rebbe says it's not common for poor people to be able to um, to borrow money. So what's this machogas mean? It's a metzias. Could poor people borrow money or not? So if you think about it logically, many poor people, as, as the Pnei Moshe explains, um, no one wants to give them credit because they're afraid, well, you're poor, you're not going to be able to pay it back. So it very well could be that Rehuda Anasi knew that he was a Baal Tzedakah, and he dealt with a lot of people, and he saw that, yes, it's true that um, many people are not going to logically want to give credit to a poor person. However, there's a Pasuk in Kesef Talvez Ami, which doesn't mean to be stupid, but the Torah says that it's an extra mitzvah, as many of the Rishonim and the Chinuch explain, because normally a person doesn't want to lend out money. And so, um, therefore, Yudah Nasi held that the reality is that there are many people that do choose to do that mitzvah and trust. Whereas Rebbe held that the reality is that people hold back, and the truth is that a person has to be careful and not lend money in a time when he doesn't think he's going to get paid back. And that's why it's considered tzedakah to, to, to lend to somebody who's poor. So it's, it's, a, it's a hard balance between wanting to do a mitzvah, but also um, being prudent. Um, but basically, my, I, I have a Kabbalah from our Rebbe, Asher Rubenstein Zatzal, who basically said, and he was someone that lent a lot of his money, but he also was always careful to do it in a legal way where there were, um, there were people that were co-signers that would be able to pay back, and there was an understanding about what the terms and conditions were. And so you could be generous and be and be a kind person, but you could also um, you know be foolish, and that's not what Hashem wants from us. Um, moving on to Perak Bays is a very interesting thing. The Gemara says, "How do I know that you can't give um, payah from one field to the next?" Meaning. Um, if you have a large field, it doesn't matter how large it is, you can give payah in that one field. But if you have two fields that are interrupted by, like the Mishnah says, by a public road or by uh, different things, uh, rivers, etc., so you have to give an individual payah for each of those fields according to their obligation. So the Pasuk says, Sadcha. Okay, so let's let's explain this drasha a little bit. So first of all, again, it makes perfect sense that you can't give your... Um, your payah, because it's one thing if it's miser. So let's say I have money that I made, which, by the way, miser stuffim is very different than the, the olden days, which, you know, most things were miser on your animals or produce or whatever. But anyway, so when it comes to money, it's dependent on the guy. So if a guy made $100,000 that year, it doesn't matter if it came from different sources. The point is he still has to give his 10% or 20%, like we talked about earlier. But when it comes to the field, the poor people are coming to your field. So it's not fair to say, oh, yeah, you came to my field and I really do owe payah, but I already took off payah in Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, how am I supposed to know that, right? So it makes sense that it has to be your field. But the Gross is a brilliant thing in the Pusik. He says, the Pusik says, well, the Kutzer when you gather in your produce, which Artsachem is mashma, all your all your fields, which seems to say that you can um, take off a payah for each of them. Then the Pasuk clarifies, Lo pa'as sadcha. Each field should be looked at individually. So that says the Gemara, that's what's going on. And the Rosh Surilio points out a very brilliant thing, which is that, wait a minute, the Gemara above used this Pasuk sadcha, the darshan, that even trees are obligated in payah. So what's going on over here? So he answers two answers. One of them is that actually this Pasuk is found in, in, in Vayikra Yudtes and the same time also in Vayikra Chav Gimel. So those two Psukim could be darshan in two different ways. And also there's another sheet in the Gemara uh, that well, that we had earlier on Daf Yud Gimel that says that, in the Ozada print, that uh, actually we learn out a different drasha from trees. 
for trees for, for a different Pasuk. So either way, we have you covered. The point is, we learn three drushes of Chazal. They're not just arbitrary, like the Torah Tzimimah, like many of the other Mephoshim explain. There's a brilliance in how the Torah formulates itself, and we can learn so much by just delving into it deeper of um, how the Pasuk says Sadcha, and therefore clarifies exactly how it should happen, and it makes sense logically as well to us. We can understand the mitzvah even more about how if I have a field here, people need to be able to come to my field and expect to be able to get money from that field and not be sent around to different places because I'm putting paya for all the, for all the fields that I own in one specific location. Have a great day.